you're listening to the Business of Branding podcast. If you are a creative female entrepreneur ready to connect with more of those heck yes clients, build an irresistible brand, and allow growing your business to feel easier than ever before, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Nikki Arnsman, a brand designer and strategist, a mama, and a little bit of a serial entrepreneur. On this podcast, I share all the strategies, tips, and lessons learned that have helped me build and scale an aligned business. My hope is that the content here will inspire you to go out and do the same for yourself. Welcome to another episode of the Business of Branding podcast. I've got Brittany Long here. Brittany and I um, worked together uh, side by side inside of a uh, high-level mastermind container. And then I also hired Brittany to help me write um, launch emails for a uh, recent launch that I did, which was an incredible experience. Um, She is an evergreen email strategist, a speaker, co-owner of the evergreen email agency called Win With Systems. Uh, Brittany and her team, she's got a great, incredible, powerful team, uh, write income generated automated emails for business owners committed to increasing their income while getting off the overwork treadmill. Um, I know that when I started hearing you chat and answer questions and talk about things inside of the mastermind, I was always so curious of what are evergreen emails. And, uh, you know, obviously familiar with like launch emails or onboarding sequences. And I know that you have this like goldmine bank of like all of that (laughs) stuff as well. Um, But really where you've kind of found your little niche and what I found so just like such a profound concept was this evergreen email. So I'm sure my listeners are just like me when I, where I was kind of like, what is ever, like, what are evergreen emails? Um, So I would love to dive into that today. Um, I know you're excited to dive into that. And uh, first, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background? You were a teacher, right? And kind of fell into then this other world. So give us a little, give us a little rundown. Yeah, so I was a middle school science teacher. Um, I was a teacher for four years. My dad was a teacher for 37 years, and I saw how he loved he loved what he did, and he loved helping people. And I thought, well, I love helping people too, so I guess this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think deep down, I knew that it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing, but it felt safe and it felt stable. And so I did that for a few years, and I liked it, except I was starting to get burnt out even after just a few years. And um, I kind of in the back of my head, I had this idea of like, okay, you're spending so much time on other people's families and other people's kids. Um, and not really spending a lot of time with your family because you're so busy uh, working and grading and all of that. And so it was all fine. And I kind of could just push that thought to the back of my head for about two years. And then I had a cancer scare. And I remember very clearly sitting in the doctor's office, the doctor that I'd never met before saying, you have cancer and it's aggressive and leaving that day thinking, oh my gosh, what if this is my last year on earth? And like, <laughs> this gets really deep, really fast, but um, <laughs> it had I mean, that was like that moment for me where I was like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think, I think that I knew owning a business and, um, and all of those kind of things, like they were in me and like writing and all that it was in me, but it was, it felt safer and and less scary and more in my comfort zone to stay in teaching for a while. And so 
Um, but after that cancer scare, I knew, I knew that's not what I was supposed to be doing. I knew there was something else out there for me. And so I started trying to figure out what that thing was. And, um, it was a very difficult road. Um, within the next two weeks after that, that diagnosis, I actually met with a specialist and I found out I didn't have cancer. It wasn't aggressive, right. right. It's like, I know it was like a huge plot twist where I was like, wait, and anyway, it was very confusing. Um, but I'm super thankful, not only that I didn't have cancer, but also that, um, they told me that I did originally, because I'm pretty sure I would have still been in the wrong career for me if, if, you know, that hadn't happened. So I'm so thankful it happened, even though it was incredibly scary and stressful and traumatic at the time. Um, so anyway, over the last, or over the next two years, I tried to figure out what to do next. And I tried so many side hustles. I've tried over 27 side hustles at one point or another, really trying to narrow down what it is that like my thing is, what my niche is, what I feel passionate about and what I feel like I can make a difference with. And so that's kind of how that all started. And then I left teaching after my fourth year, I did uh, graphic design and funnel building and writing and writing was really that thing that I was like, oh, this is, this is what makes me feel alive. This is what I feel called to do. And um, it was really great because I feel like, well, the, first of all, the people I work with, uh, my number one qualification, if somebody's going to work with me is they have to actually give a crap about their audience. Like they have to actually care about the people that they work with. And I love that because then I get to be part of that, their ripple effect and I get to be part of making that difference. So that's kind of how it's been a long <laughs> windy road, but that's how I got into writing. Um, and then I, I narrowed down specifically to emails and then specifically to evergreen emails, um, which really aligns with my, my goal and my purpose of helping people take Fridays off, helping people have more time with their families and their loved ones. And um, you can do a lot of that with the income that comes in through evergreen emails. Yeah. I backtracking just a second to the whole cancer scare thing. I keep thinking like, Oh, I would be like going through the rest of my life. Like, are you sure? Like anytime someone yeah. said anything to me, being <laughs> like, are you sure? Like, are we positive? I think about, um, first of all, I'm so glad that you didn't have cancer. And it's so interesting that things like that happen and they, and it like triggers a life pivot that otherwise wouldn't have happened. Um, I think about when I was sitting in like the ultrasound room with my husband and we were like, I apparently finding out the sex of our child and, you know, they were like, it's a girl. And I was like, are you sure? Like, and I was like going through this whole thing. Like, I feel like I would be mm-hmm. always questioning everything, which is kind of a blessing too, that you get to like double check. Like, you know, a lot of times you just kind of sort of like breeze through things. Um, sort of really kind of like always be able to dive in, um, and understand like what's actually going on. I advocate for myself a lot more now than I would if I think otherwise too. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've worked with you. So I see the level of like care and attention and advocacy that happens from you. Cause you, you're saying like, Oh, Oh, I'm a great writer. Like that was the thing. Right. And I'm, and I'm sitting over here thinking like you extracted out of me information and feelings and stories that I you know, as someone who's like, I'm not a writer, it's always like in us, but some of us, we just don't know how to get that stuff out into emails, into sales copy, into, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so you, you have like a gift of being able to do that and really kind of like pull those stories. Um, and yeah, just like 
important points out of someone. Um, okay. So what are evergreen emails and like, what does that mean? How did this come about? (laughs) So, uh, evergreen email. So let's, let's think about an evergreen tree, like a Christmas tree, that kind of, that kind of tree. So you have two kinds of trees and this is maybe the science teacher in me coming out, but you have the deciduous tree, which is the kind that like, uh, you know, lives and dies, like the, the leaves live and die every year, every season, uh, where you have the different colors and stuff like that, they fall off the tree. And then you have the um, evergreen trees, which are ones that have the, like the needles on them instead. And the evergreen trees are really interesting because they stay alive year round, even in the harshest of conditions, even on the side of mountains, um, they are able to stay alive because they have this protective coating around them. And evergreen emails are the same way. Instead of um, having a business that is reliant on the different seasons, like it's launch season or, oh man, we're in a lull right now because we haven't launched in a while. Instead of relying on income that comes through seasons and hoping that you have a good launch, you have evergreen emails that can go year round, that can still make revenue for you, even when you're not doing anything with them, even if it's in a harsh condition, um, like, you know, there's things going on in the world, stuff like that. Like those evergreen emails can still live and thrive. And so evergreen emails essentially are emails that um, you set up once and then they keep running for you again and again. You may want to check open rates and and, uh, uh, click through rates every once in a while, but for the most part, like they can run on their own. And it's great because you can have that foundation set up so that you're like, all right, I know one leg of my business is going, it's making money for me, and then turn your attention to the things that only you can do in your business so that you have that passive revenue coming in, but then you also have other ways you can make money too. And Mm so um, that is, in a nutshell, that's what an evergreen email is. So it could be an abandoned cart sequence. It could be a welcome sequence, fulfillment sequence, um, re-engagement sequence. Pretty much any sequence you can set up can be made evergreen. And then we do um, a year-long nurture and sell sequence. That's like our signature thing. Um, And we do that because then for an entire year, you know that your audience is going to have that email being sent out. And it doesn't matter if they come onto your list today or three years from today, they're still going to go through that year long nurture and sell sequence. So not only are you making more revenue and and continuing to make that revenue by something you do once, you're also um, nurturing them for the entire year and, and onwards. And so one thing that's really cool about this is that we have people on our list from a few years ago when I first set up our evergreen sequence um, that will respond to my emails today saying, this is exactly what I need to hear. Thank you so much for sending this. And it's something I did two years ago and it doesn't (laughs) wait. Like, it's so cool that I get to still have an impact on them while I'm doing other parts of my business now. Um, It's also great for the serial entrepreneur that's like, I want to do all the things, set up all the brands. (laughs) And you love like that kind of, that kind of part of entrepreneurship. Um, it's great for people like that too, because they can set up the evergreen sequence, make an impact, make some revenue, and then also move to that next brand that they want to have an impact or that next niche they want to have an impact on as well. Mm -hmm. So when someone like, I think about the, I'm, I'm intrigued and I know I've told you this in the past, like the nurture and sell sequence, I think is so powerful because someone like me, like I, I don't get shiny object syndrome, but I liked, I'm a creator, right? So I want to be like creating things. And even if it's all with under my same brand, I still don't want to, like, I don't like being in the launch cycle, right? So I like when things are like selling passively and I'm able to just create and sell and create and sell. Um, and so with the nurture and sell sequence, it's important for someone who, um, that specifically like has products, right. Or has services like on deck that can be sold. 
Yeah. So if you, yeah, it's true. If you already have products and services, you can start selling. If you don't, you can start nurturing and then um, Mm -hmm. begin to pepper in those products and services once you have them. Mm -hmm. But I've never met or worked with anybody that's like, man, I really wish I had waited longer. (laughs) Like everybody always says, I really wish I had started earlier. And what I see, mistake I see people making is they're like, well, I'll just send a live email. I'll just send a broadcast email every week. And that way I'll, I'll nurture my email list that way. And I can't tell you how many times then they come to me and they're like, it's been three months. I haven't sent anything at all. I don't know if my audience remembers me. My open rates are plummeting because I haven't like they haven't heard from me. And so um, that's that's the mistake I see a lot of people make is they think, well, I'll just wait until until, quote unquote, things are perfect (laughs) until I have all my services, all my products. And then it just doesn't happen because, you know, you're busy, you're creating, you're doing the things that are in your zone of genius. Yeah. Um, another question that I think it about is, um, when, when is the best time, not like the time to start doing this, but like for, um, is this something where like, okay, if you're running, let's just say, uh, freebie, let's say ads to a freebie, right. And you're just list building or you're organically just list building and not writing any paid advertising, but every time someone lands on your email list and let's just say they like come in through a freebie, um, and they get a freebie onboarding sequence, right? So like, here's your freebie thing. Thanks so much for getting this. And then maybe they have like two more emails within that like freebie onboarding sequence. Does it then click in? Is so is like in your mind that it would then then they would click into the evergreen email sequence that would nurture them and sell additional and other products. So my point is that what I'm saying is, is this sequence typically relevant to when somebody joins in, or does it run all year and then they just get in wherever the sequence is at? Yeah, that makes sense. So um, it does, it does run all year, but it doesn't depend on when they join. So whenever they join, they get email one. So it doesn't matter if they join this year or three years from now, they're always going to start at email one. Got it. Perfect. That's awesome. It's Um, great for that customer journey because then you get to really see like where your people are at, the things that they're most interested in, they're most clicking on. uh, It really gives you a lot of valuable insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would imagine it's it's really helpful with data collection um, to be able to just see like what are people most attracted to, like purely based on click through rate and sales, right? But like to really kind of be able to do it that way. Now, another question is um, when if someone is has this sequence set up like this, right, and they um, work with you and they get this all in place. What about if they do live launch? Like for some people, I think they do have passive products and things happening like that, but then also they run a live group program. Do, does everything still run normally? And then you just start running your launch emails. That's a great question. Um, so there's two ways you can do it. One is to like, if you know, every February you're launching, then you can make a tag that says, basically, if the date is February, don't send these particular emails. Don't send the evergreen emails. The other way you can do it. And this is the way I do it because it's the (laughs) the easiest way, a path of least resistance is I just pause my sequence. And Mm -hmm. so typically what I do is I pause my sequence about half a week before my pre-launch emails start. And then I um, unpause them a week after my launch emails end. Cause I know usually during launches, I'm, I'm sending a lot of emails. So I give them a little bit of a buffer room in between yeah. uh, launch emails at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How did, how did this come about? How did you 
fall in, like figure out like, oh, we could do something like this. <laughs> so I was at a conference, I think it was FinCon years ago. And I heard somebody talking about how they did this and how it helped them because they had a parent that they had to take care of. And so the person I was working with at the time was like, I wonder if we could do that. And so that's kind of how that all started. We started mapping it out, what it would look like. And then it was really cool to see that she was able to generate revenue um, through that sequence. And then the other clients I started working with, I was like, what if we did this? <laughs> and they started seeing results from it too. And so um, seeing that buffer room was really impactful to me. And then of course, in our own business, seeing how much is impacting the people that we get to work with is really, really cool. Um, but also seeing that revenue coming in, like it, you know, most months, if we wanted to just be super, super minimalistic and just have me and my husband, like we would be able to keep things running because of the evergreen sequence. So that's really cool. Um, but it, the biggest thing is I saw the impact it was making on the business owner. Um, it took a little bit of pressure off. It allowed them to take time off if they needed to. Um, and then also on the audience, seeing how much it impacted them without that extra work all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for those who are listening and they maybe, you know, for whatever reason, like aren't at a stage in their business where they're ready to like invest and hire someone. Do you have any tips for anyone? And then I want to hear about your services and the different ways to work with you. Um, but do you have tips for those who aren't ready for that? And want to maybe, I think there's a lot of people listening who are early on in their business are ignoring their email list and aren't really sending anything out frequently. Um, I think a lot of people get caught up in social media and like just showing up on social media consistently. And even though we are doing, they're doing things to like actively build their email list, like aren't staying connected and communicative through, um, through their email list. So what are some ways that they can start to get more active or what is like, do you have any tips that are kind of like, these are the, this is the thing I would for sure be doing, um, mm -hmm. even if I wasn't quite ready to invest and hire someone yet? Yeah. So the thing I would do is I would start sending at least a weekly email out, um, even if it's just a broadcast email that you're doing really quick, something like that. But sending that consistent email out, even if it's live, is so, so, so important. Like I said, nobody's ever said, oh, I wish I had waited longer. Everyone always says, why didn't I start this sooner? because your, your inbox is essentially a cash machine for you. And um, so typically you can make over 44 times what you would make in email versus what you would make in uh, social um, mm -hmm. because it's a lot more targeted because people have actually literally signed up to see, to see that information from you. Um, it just is a lot more impactful than social media is as far as a conversion standpoint looks like. And so if you're trying to figure out what to write about, some things that we look for at the beginning is what questions are people asking you, whether that's on social media or in your inbox, um, because that's one of the things that holds people back the most is they're like, what the heck do I even write about? So what questions are people asking you? Um, we also use answerthepublic.com uh, where you can type in, uh, like for me, I would type in email marketing. If you have a baking company, you might type in how to bake cookies. I don't know, <laughs> whatever the, yeah. the company be. <laughs> Um, but it brings up all these questions that are like commonly searched questions. And so it gives you like an that idea people are asking on Google exactly. or whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So it's really easy to find some of those questions to answer in your email. Um, you want your email to be really focused on your audience. So what do they want to hear? Not necessarily what do they need to hear, but what do they want to hear? 
Um, and then we follow, so our, our agency, uh, we've done this for so many people and we've seen what works and doesn't work. And so we follow this format. It's the ATM RN method. And I wish I had a better name for it <laughs> because that's a terrible acronym, but uh, the A stands for attention. So you want to grab their attention with something that's going to be interesting to them. that's going to pique their curiosity. That's going to be a question, a quote, statistic, something like that. The T stands for tell your story. So um, you want to think about your story in a way that's going to be meaningful to your audience. And that's actually the M, which is make it mean something. So for example, if I'm telling my story about going to Target, like nobody really cares if I go to Target. What they care about is what happens there as it pertains to them. So if I'm talking to an audience of teachers that are looking to leave education, for example, instead of just saying, yeah, I went to Target, it was great, I got some stuff, like nobody cares about that. So instead I might say, I went to Target and for the first time I bought supplies just for my own kids or I bought supplies just for myself. I didn't spend an extra $30 on supplies for my classroom or I could say for the first time since leaving teaching, I uh, was able to wander every single aisle target without feeling guilty because I wasn't, you know, home grading or something like that. So make it mean something to your audience. And then the next thing is R. So we want to reflect on what they're thinking, what objections are coming up for them, what questions are coming up for them. And we have the opportunity to answer it there. And then the final uh, letter is N, which stands for next step. So what do you want them? What action do you want them to take? That's the call to action. Um, and that could be sending them to a blog post, YouTube video, asking them to reply. We love asking people to reply because that does help with deliverability. Um, and so there's a lot of options there, but that's the format that we follow. And so if you're sitting here thinking, I have no idea what to write about, that's a great way to start is the questions that you're getting and then following that format so that it doesn't take nine hours <laughs> to write one email. I've embarrassingly been there. Like, so that's why we follow that framework it's it just makes it so much easier and more impactful yeah I remember like sitting down and working with you and having you like support me on writing um all of those launch emails and I remember leaving that and thinking this is why I don't like this is why I shouldn't be writing my own emails because <laughs> this would have taken me like weeks upon weeks to like actually sit down and get it done, um, which is like half the battle is knowing what to say. So that's all so wonderful. Thank you for sharing all that. I hope people are taking notes because that was really good. Um, how can if anyone is interested in working with you, what are the different ways that you work with clients? What type of container services products do you have? Yeah, so we've worked with clients that are just on the cusp of starting their business all the way to eight-figure earners. And it's really interesting to see a lot of people have the same questions and the same concerns like that. What do I write about? And those kind of things. And so we have um, ways that we can help at all different levels. So we have workshops and trainings that we do uh, to show you how to write your own emails, to show you what you should even be looking for. We also have a course, and then we also have uh, VIP days done with you services. And then of course, if you're like, I don't want to write my own emails, we do that for you as well. <laughs> And um, we've worked at this point, we've worked with so many different business owners that we've really gotten to see all the trends. We've gotten to see what works and doesn't work. And we've gotten to see um, again and again and again, like these, these high return rates. And so it's been really great, uh, but we do all of that. And so uh, any, any, pretty much anything that anybody needs with email, like we got you. <laughs> I love it. So good. Okay. Where can everyone find you on the big World Wide web? <laughs> Uh, so you can find us at winwithsystems.com. And then also my Instagram is the queen of evergreen. I'll make sure that the is the, the beginning. 
Amazing. Okay. And we'll link this up inside of the show notes and everything. Um, I love this so much. Thank you for sharing all of those tips. So powerful. Um, any last thing that you want to share with anyone about their email writing uh, journey that they might find themselves on? I think the biggest thing is really just to get started and it's not going to be perfect. Even for us, like we write so many emails, but every first draft that we write is messy and that's okay. If you go into it expecting it to be messy and kind of ugly at the beginning, um, it's a lot easier to edit and to move on from than if you try to make it perfect from the very beginning. So go into it, it's okay for it to be messy, it's normal for it to be messy, uh, but the big thing really is just to get started and get started today, start sending those emails today. Love it. Thank you so much, Brittany, for being here. My pleasure, thanks for having me. See you all on next week's episode.